Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to It's a Scream, the podcast. So at first this podcast was a little different. It was me and my husband and we just kind of chatted about nothing and nonsense. But then I decided this podcast should be basically what it sounds like. Horror, Halloween, spooky stories, true crime, anything scary, right? Because that's what it sounds like and that's what it should be. So now, that's what we are. Most of the time, it will probably be just me telling stories, which is perfectly fine. Sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't. You'll never know what you're going to get with this podcast. So, welcome back. Welcome to the revamped It's a Scream podcast. And let's go ahead and get spooky. talking about the Bell Witch, or as some people say, the Bell Witch Haunting, which is from the 19th century Bell family northwest of Robertson County, Tennessee. Um, some people also know this story from the Blair Witch Project. This was a big influence for the Blair Witch Project and the witch in the story. So, you might be a little familiar because of that, but... I will definitely say the story is a little different than what you've heard in movies. So, there was a book called An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch by an author named Martin B. Ingram, and he published that the poltergeist name was Kate because at one point the entity claimed to be Old Kate Bat's Witch and continued to respond favorably to the name. So, we don't really know who Kate was or where she came from. I'm sure if somebody dug into the history, they would maybe be able to find her, but I don't know um, about that. So, uh, the physical activity centered around Belle's youngest daughter, Betsy, and her father, and Kate expressed particular displeasure when Betsy came engaged to a local man named Joshua Gardner. So she didn't want Betsy out of her sight, basically. She wanted Betsy to be her friend and to be hers. Now, Kate could also shapeshift. She could affect the physical environment. And the entity was also able to speak, even though it was invisible, which would be terrifying nonetheless. Um, some say that the spirit also could have been clairvoyant and capable of crossing long distances with superhuman speed or being in more than one place at a time. So this to me would be terrifying. Um, I wouldn't even know what to do with that if this was me. So the haunting began sometime in 1817 when John Bell witnessed the apparition of a strange creature resembling a dog. He fired at the animal, but it just disappeared. So his son Drew approached an unknown bird on the fence, and it flew off, but Drew said that the bird was extraordinary in size. This wasn't a regular bird. You know, he thought 
it was something completely out of the ordinary. Um, Betsy saw a girl in a green dress swinging from a limb in an oak tree, and Dean, a person enslaved by the Bell family, reported being followed by a large black dogs on evening that he visited his wife. Um, so, instead of staying outside, the activity moved into the Bell household while they heard knocking along the doors and walls. They heard gnawing on beds, invisible dogs fightings, and chains along the floors. So, John Bell then began experiencing paralysis of his mouth, and sheets were pulled from the bed when children were asleep. Uh, the entity also pulled hair and scratched the children with particular emphasis on Betsy, who was slapped, pinched, and stuck with pins. Now, I clearly don't know how things worked in 1817, but that would have been enough for me to get a new house, but I guess if the entity could shapeshift and move places that probably wouldn't have uh, worked but I would have definitely tried it immediately um so the Bells went to their friend James Johnston for help um he came to the house to help them and um stay the night he was awakened by the same phenomena that they were dealing with and he said that it was just a spirit just like in the bible and so, of course, the word haunting spread through their town, through the community, far and wide. People would come from great distances to see the witch. Um, the apparition began to speak out loud and was asked, who are you and what do you want? And answered, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. So you don't want to disturb a spirit, guys. I'm just saying. Um, they offered diverse explanations of why they appeared. They had tied their origin to the disturbance of a Native American burial ground that was on the property and sent Drew and a man named Bennett Porter on an unproductive search for buried treasure. So basically they thought that the spirit was messing with them to try to get them to leave the house. And have a little fun in the meantime. Um, the spirit repeated word for word two sermons given 13 miles apart at the same time and was well acquainted with biblical texts and appeared to enjoy religious arguments. Um, the witch also shared gossip about activities in other households and appeared to leave for brief moments to visit homes after an inquiry. So this ghost was like, I'm going to get in the town drama. Don't worry, I'll come back and bring it to you which I mean that would be funny <laughs> you know if the ghost was just like hang on let me go see what Steve and John are doing I'll be right back so you could always be in the know at least um but I wouldn't want all the other stuff so John Johnston who was the son of James decided that he was going to test the witch he was going to do something that no outside no one outside of his family would know he would ask the entity what his Dutch step-grandmother in North Carolina would say to the slaves if she thought that they did something wrong. The witch replied with his grandmother's accent, Hut, hut, what has happened now? So the witch knew exactly what the grandmother would have said. In another account, an Englishman stopped to visit and investigate, and he asked the witch about his family overseas, and the witch began to mimic in his English parents 
um, accent and told them exactly what he wanted to know. So the um, man apologized for his skepticism and left because he was terrified, which I feel like I would have been too. The spirit also was kind sometimes, especially towards Lucy, who was John Bell's wife. She said that he was the most perfect woman to walk the earth, and the witch would give Lucy fresh fruit and sing hymns to her and show John Bell Jr. a measure of respect. So it liked Lucy, so I would have been glad to be Lucy in this situation. Um, they referred to John Bell Sr. as Old Jack, and she said that she intended to kill him and signal the intention through curses, threats, and afflictions. So, the um, witch was also said to have poisoned him, but that, to me, is terrifying, I will say. Um, they also were, you know, like, what do we do? How do we get away from it? Because the witch could travel. There was really nothing that they could do at the time. Um, Lucy... Uh, and her sons, Richard and Joel, also had similar activities to them, but they decided not to encourage it, and the witch decided to leave. And the witch also left earlier, right after it was said to have poisoned John, but I guess decided to come back. Um, several accounts say that during his military career, Andrew Jackson was intrigued with the story, and his men were frightened away after traveling to investigate. So... It got all the way to Andrew Jackson, which is crazy. And apparently in Mississippi, the witch was a ghost of an unpleasant overseer. John Bell was murdered in North Carolina. The spirit falls in love with the central character, Mary, leading to her death. This was the story that they were telling in Mississippi. Um, they also said the supernatural powers attributed to the Tennessee spirit had been given to the djinn in mythology so they were like this ghost is everywhere and she also gives her stories and powers to everyone um richard williams bell wrote in a manuscript and he said whether it was witchery such as afflicted people in the past centuries in the darker ages whether some gifted fiend or hellish nature practicing sorcery for selfish enjoyment or some more modern science akin to that of mesmerism or some hobgoblin native to the wilds of the country or a disembodied soul shut out from heaven or an evil spirit like those Paul drove to, out of the man in the swine setting them mad or a demon let loose from hell I am unable to decide nor has anyone yet divined its nature or cause for appearing, and I trust the description of the monster in all forms, shapes, and many tongues will lead experts who may come with wiser generation to correct conclusion and satisfactory explanation. And this was in the story of the authenticated history of the Bell Witch in chapter 8. So he was like, I don't know what she is, where she came from, but Lord, I hope someone figures it out. So there had been many, many stories written about the Bell Witch along the years through many different things like newspapers and magazines and things like that. People told different stories. People decided if they believed it or not. It was really kind of a big thing. 
and in the 20th century, a prophecy was reported by May 1903 that the witch could return on the centennial of the Bell family's arrival in Tennessee. This was in response to an um, article that was written. I guess people decided that, oh, she'll come back for some reason. So in August of 1903, the Springfield Herald expressed that no one in the local paper area or anything like that was concerned with the return of the Bell Witch. They were like, she's not going to come back. This is ridiculous. Um, nothing's going to happen. And of course, in September, the paper was mad because the spirit didn't return in August like they thought. Um, there was a man called Charles Bailey Bell, and he was a grandson of John Bell Jr., and he published a book called The Bell Witch, A Mysterious Spirit in 1934, and he told stories that were told to him by his great Aunt Betsy later in her life. Um, they also told another story about Andrew Jackson and the boy trapped in the Bell Witch cave and pulled out of the cave feet first by the witch. Um, they also detailed a series of prophecies that were given by his ancestors, including the declaration the witch was to return in 1935, not 1903. Um, so, I guess nothing happened in 1935, but in 1937, there were reports of quirky events that were happening. A man named Lewis Garrison owned the farm that included the Bell Witch Cave at the time. He heard unexplained noises coming from inside. Um, the descendants described the sound as something like rubbing against a house. A paper-like object flew out the door and re-entered through a side door. And faint music was heard from a piano. Which would cause me to get out of that house and never come back. <laughs> that would be enough for me. Um... A group from a local Ampworth League was reported to have attended a wiener roast in a rock quarry near the Bell Witch Cave in 1937, and they were joking about the legend when they saw a figure of a woman sitting on top of the cliff over the cave, causing many to flee. A minister in the group claimed that he has investigated and discovered it was moonlight on a rock, not the witch. And a second report concluded that the weather... Um, said that the moon was barely noticeable that night, so there was no way that it could have been moonlight on a rock. So basically, there were two different accounts of the same story. Some people believed it, and some people didn't. Um, I would have definitely been the one to believe it. <laughs> In 1965, there was an article that was published that talked about an antique oak rocking chair said to have been owned by Charlie Willett, who was a descendant of the Bell family. The rocking chair was acquired by their estate by Mrs. J.C. Adams, and she owned an antique store. A customer sat down in the chair one time after learning it was not for sale and asked Miss Adams if she believed in the supernatural. And two weeks later, the customer's daughter visited the home and said that after her mother had left, she visited the Bell Cemetery and a voice told her to stand up and look around. You will find something of much value. The woman walked out into a field and found a black iron kenner turned over. And she found a pearl buckle in the glass under the iron kettle. The woman's daughter said that the jewelry estimated to be 160 to 200 years old. So whoever that voice was was very helpful. Um... I need a voice like that to happen to me. That would be great. 
1977, Bonnie Hanlon recounted a time in her childhood in 1944 where she was exploring the cave. She was playing hooky and borrowed a lantern um, from the cave owner, and she explored the cave with her friend for several years after that. Um, one time, her lantern blew out despite no breeze inside the cave, and she managed to relight it, and it blew out again. So she crawled in the cave until she reached the entrance where she saw an open can of pork and beans and marshmallows. Um, she later learned that law enforcement discovered two escaped fugitives in the back of the caves, and she credited the witch with helping her avoid them. So that would be... A helpful thing so at least she's helping now I guess right she's like here's this really expensive jewelry here let me help you not get attacked by these escaped fugitives so now she's got some good stuff um, going on so at least she you know <laughs> she started being nice later in her years um, of course some people were skeptical about it they said that um, you know they could help understand that, you know, myth can be taken so far and make you scared forever. So, you know, some people are skeptical about it, but a lot of people do believe it. They say that I chalk the Bell Witch up to nothing more than as one of many ups, ups, oh my gosh, <laughs> unsustained folk legends vastly embellished and popularized by opportunistic author of historical fiction. And of course some people are like, no, the Bell Witch is real. So I guess you can take it as whatever you want. But like I said, at least it seemed like she got nicer as time went on. She was trying to save people and gave people an old pearl necklace. So, you know, despite being creepy and wanting to kill John Bell, she got better. <laughs> um... So, like I said, there's been a lot of films that were uh, made about her and her story. So, The Blair Witch Project, The Bell Witch Haunting, and American Haunting. There's a movie called The Bell Witch, The Movie, The Bell Witch Legend, The Bell Witch Haunting, and The Mark of the Bell Witch. Um, two of those are documentaries, and most of those are, um, like, horror movies. Um, there was also an episode of Ghost Adventures that went to the Bell Witch Cave, which I'm sure you can find Zach Baggins yelling at somebody. Um, <laughs> there have been many, many books written about her. I will not read all of those to you. If you are interested in that, you can look them up because there are many of them. But, you know, the Bell Witch to me is a crazy folklore story that is terrifying. And if it's real, I don't ever want to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I ever go to Tennessee, I don't need to go to her cave because that just seems like a place that I don't need to be. Um, so, yeah, that's the story of the Bell Witch. She, you know, I guess if she liked you, that was good. If she didn't, sorry about you. <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed that story. Thanks to Derek and Trevor for being Patreon members. Of course, go join our Patreon. You get extra fun things behind the scenes and so much more. And thank you for listening to the Revamped Podcast. And stay spooky. Have a good day.